there, history fans. So before we get into our weird history for today, we just wanted to say we've hit a pretty big milestone on this podcast. We have now gone over 1,000 plays for this podcast since we've started it last August. And we just want to say a very big thank you to everyone that has listened and subscribed and anyone that's participated in our polls and given us suggestions. And we are super thankful to everybody for listening and enjoying our podcasts. We hope to hear from more of you about upcoming episodes and what you'd like to hear us talk about. And we hope to see you guys on the other end of another thousand plays. And with that, we'll get on with today's weird history episode. Yes. Welcome back to our weird history mini-sode, where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. This week, we're talking about the worst sea traffic jam in history. Didn't that just happen? Oh, wait, no, that was on the Suez River. Never mind. Same place. Wrong thing (laughs) same place yeah no no okay you're living in a major city right and you've got traffic you're what on like a six eight lane highway and there's traffic jams on both sides and it it it, you know you've had this happen because you drive where you're trying to go what four or five miles and it takes you an hour because traffic was so bad Sounds like LA. Yeah, any major city. Driving traffic is bad. Sea traffic is not something that typically happens, but this is the story of the worst and longest sea traffic jam in sea shipping history. And it all started on June 5th, 1967. Yeah, yeah, a while ago. Now, before I get into how all that happened, just very, very brief introduction into the Suez Canal and uh, it's how it became what it is. So if you're familiar with the Suez Canal, you know that opened it up in the 1860s and there were some attempts prior to that. But the first known attempt to create a canal in that area was actually over 4,000 years ago by Egyptian King Sunesret the third in 1874 BC. I mean, Egyptians were pretty good at engineering. It wouldn't surprise me that they might be the first people to try to create a channel there. No, it's not surprising at all. Nope. And then in the 1700s, there was another attempt, but there were people that believed that the Red Sea was higher than the Nile. And if you opened up it, they were like, oh, it's 30 feet higher over on this side than it is on this side. If you open it up, it's going to wash away the, the Nile and have, we'll have catastrophic biblical flooding. Uh, and they're like, okay, I guess we're not going to do it then. And then come, yeah, 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 yeah. People had weird thoughts. And yeah, then come your French engineering and the 1850s. Uh, they're like, well, you know, no, it's really not 30 feet difference. It's very minimal. It's not going to cause catastrophic flooding. Let's get this engineering out of the way and open up the Suez Canal. Because uh, pretty much prior to that, if you were, say, going from Alexandria, Egypt, and you wanted to get up into, say, Naples to get your shipping lane done, you had to go all the way up and around Africa, through the Strait of Gibraltar, 
down the Mediterranean to get to Naples. And with the Suez Canal, you can just literally just pop right on through. You just go from one end to the other. So once they opened it up and everything got started, shipping pretty much changed forever. And outside of the recent shipping issue at the Suez Canal, there's only been one other major issue. And this happened on June 5th in 1967. So Egypt and Israel were at war with each other, which had been going on for quite some time at that point. And at one point in the late 60s, Israel made an attempt and successfully captured the Sinai Peninsula, which Egypt then retaliated against by blocking their way into the canal in hopes of attempting to diminish Israel's economy and forcing them to no longer be able to actually afford to fight, ending the warring. And what they did is they blocked the top end and the bottom end of the canal. They put sunken ships there. They put debris. They put about 750,000 mines in the canal. That's right. Almost a million mines into the canal to blow up ships from the Israeli Navy, I suppose. Crazy. And it was at the same time that the two of them were coming together to fight each other. Literally on the day of June 5th, you have 14 European ships had come into the canal from the Red Sea and are coming into down into the canal to go out. And they get stuck in this place called Bitter Lake, which is about halfway down in between, literally between the bodies of the Sinai Peninsula on the, at the time, Israeli side and Egypt. So you're literally have 14 European cargo ships stuck in the middle of this giant lake between these two countries that are warring with each other. And at the time that the 14 ships had gotten into Bitter Lake is when Egypt at that same day decided that they were going to cut off the supply to the canal on both the top and the bottom ends, literally blocking in these cargo ships with absolutely no way out. And there was no way out until Egypt and Israel decided they were no longer going to fight. So these ships came out from America, West Germany. Remember, it's the 60s, so Germany was still split east and west. You had France, Britain, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, and Sweden. And one of the captains, after, after all this, he put out a quote. This is Captain Miroslav Ploskonicki. And he said, we were in a very comfortable prison. The first month was like a holiday. The second month was very hard. And by the third month, it was terrible, which is starting to sound a lot like quarantine. (laughs) But you're quarantined on a lake and a ship rather than in your house and able to go walk around. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. So in order to make sure that the ships were being run optimally and that they would be able to maintain themselves, the crew of the various ships would actually make rounds around the lake to make sure that the ships are working properly and they use the sound time to work on any maintenance that needed to be to get to get done because they thought well we'll just be here for a little while it's not pleasant but we'll be here for a little bit then hopefully we'll be out soon maybe a couple months yeah <laughs> yeah after quite some time all 14 ships decided that they would make a little floating micronation or quote unquote city. And they moored it together in a particular formation and Lily became their own little micronation in the middle of Bitter Lake. 
and they dubbed themselves the Yellow Fleet because the the this, the yellow of the sand that kept being blown onto their ships caused the ships to kind of take a yellow tint to it. So they called themselves the Yellow Fleet. Joke. Mm -hmm. And once they moored together, each ship actually became a specialized location for certain activities in this little micronation of the Yellow Fleet. The Polish freighter became the post office. The British ship held soccer or football tournaments. There was a, one of the ships was a, the main hospital. The movie theater was on the Bulgarian ship. The German ship held Sunday services. There was a, the Swedish ship also held pool parties. The French ship even grew a community garden. I thought that was pretty cool. And as we said, they had Sunday services, but according to Captain Paul Wall, it was, quote, more of a beer party, unquote, because the German vessels were consistently being sent beer from the breweries from their homeland. So it really wasn't so much quiet services. It was just a whole lot of drinking. And apparently the crew of this micronation of the Yellow Fleet had drank so much alcohol throughout their entire time of being stuck in Bitter Lake in the middle of the Suez Canal that they jokingly said the lake is 40 feet deep. It's 35 feet of water and five feet of beer bottles. <laughs> I'd be drinking beer too. And I don't even like beer. I like German beer. No, I prefer wine, but I, I, if I was in their position and I was stuck there, yeah, I'd have the beer. I, you know, whatever you can get. And other ways they would pass the time would be to hold sailing races, swim meets, bingo tournaments, played cricket. They'd even go water skiing on surfboards that were tugged along by the lifeboats from the, the cargo ships. Yeah. yeah, kind of fun. And then during the during 1968, they're still stuck in there. They're stuck in there for quite some time. I will get into how long because it blew my mind. But in 1968, the Mexico Olympics were going on. And since the fleet themselves could still not get out of the Suez Canal, they decided to, ho to, ho to hold their own mini Olympics between the different countries there. There was weightlifting and rifle shooting, water polo, high jumping, and of course, swimming. And the Polish fleet, uh, the Poles actually won the most uh, gold medals for that little mini Olympics. There's, there's pictures out there. It's really cool of, of them just having all these events on, on board the ships. At Christmas, they were actually able to acquire a Christmas tree and hoisted it onto a smaller boat and a piano as well onto this smaller boat and then had that boat steer itself around the little uh, the fleet of ships playing Christmas music. So the tree was lit up with lights and you've got someone playing piano while someone else was steering the ship during Christmas just to give a little Christmas atmosphere to everything. Kind of cute. And then on top of that, eventually, I don't have an exact year, but it would certainly be into the early 70s. That's right, early 70s. The, ship got, the ships got stuck in 1968. We're, we're now into the early 70s. And they formed what is now known as the Great, Great Bitter Lake Association which had club ties and even special badges. And they even created their, custom, uh, their own custom postage stamps too, which are actual collector's items. I mean- Okay. Yeah, it would be. 
1973, fighting between Egypt and Israel had obviously continued. And at this point, it was pretty bad. And it the worst of it would be when one of the ships, well, there were 15 ships in total. One of the ships at this time was actually hit and sunk, after which a ceasefire was agreed upon because now you're hitting someone else's stuff. I was gonna you're 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 hitting a foreign ship. Let's let's start another war that we can't handle. Right, right. And I mean it's a cargo ship, but it's still a ship. It's a foreign ship. Yeah. You've literally just hit it and sunk it. So now there's a ceasefire and both sides are now talking about a treaty and creating a just peace between the two nations. And I was also at this time after that happened, they're like, oh crap, we kind of messed up even more. Yeah, right. We can't afford to go into this war. So they very, very slowly began removing troops from either side of the canal. And Egypt then very, very slowly, but very carefully began to remove all of the 750,000 mines that they had put into the Suez Canal on top of all of the debris and blockades that they had put up. It took over two years to clear out the canal. I'm sorry. These ships were stuck in the canal for over two years? No, they were stuck in the canal for eight years, three months, and five days. That's over two years. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Questions. Yeah. How in the world did they get food? Supplies were sent to them. I was going to say, were the Egyptians just like, here or and also um how in the world did all these countries just be like yeah that's cool no no there were there was a lot of news reporting and everything about it too i mean they were actually able to take some of the men off the ships uh, but they had to leave some people on to maintain the ships because you can't just leave the ships in there especially if you were able to open up the canal again you've got this literally blockade of ships and bitter uh, lake and so they left several different sailors uh, about i think 10 to 12 sailors on each ship just to maintain it but there was a lot of news reporting on this throughout the years but i think there was a lot of airdrops because you couldn't get into the canal to send anything and they were far enough away in the middle of the lake that it would be kind of awkward to try to send shipping into it but you did have some people that were able to do that and then i believe there was also some airdrops as well too but yeah i mean there were there, was, there there was ways but yeah it was it was definitely over 2 years literally on June 5th 1975 was when the canal finally reopened 8 years to the day these ships got stuck and they were finally able to go home i'd be mad oh yeah i'd be so mad i'm stuck on this ship for 8 years you guys are at war and you're making this our problem be mad oh yeah yeah The interesting thing about the end of this is out of the 14 ships that were left, remember one of them got sunk? Yeah. The out of the 14 that remained, 12 of them had to be tugged back home because there was so much ravage from rust. I mean, it's salt it's salt water and just not enough ability to maintain the ships for them to work. Two of the ships were still operational after eight years and those two ships came from germany because german ship engineering is pretty good and yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so all the ships, once they were finally able to clear the canal, they sailed out of Port Said on the north end of the canal. The two German ships sailed all the way back to Hamburg, where they were greeted by, oh, just massive amounts of people. And by the time they got home, it would be the longest sea shipping voyage in history. And again, eight years, three months, and five days. It normally, from the time you enter the canal on the north end and exit down on the south end, or is it the other way around? It's not the mm -hmm. Nile. I get confused. It normally takes about 12 hours to clear the canal. It took over eight years to clear the canal. I just, no words. Just no <laughs> words again. Just, no, I'm just, oh, got nothing to say. That is the longest traffic jam of sea shipping history. <laughs> and, and, and just in case you're wondering, during the time of this blockade of the canal and these 14 ships were stuck in the canal in Bitter Lake, the rest of the world, any shipping that had to get done, had to get done the old way prior to the canal being built. You mean going all the way around? All the way up and down and around Africa for over eight years because of two countries warring over this one small channel island of a shipping lane. I'm not surprised. No, but at the end of it, Israel and Egypt did come to peace. And in fact, Egypt was one of the very first countries to recognize Israel as its own independent country. Yes, and it, they're still uh, at peace today. Yes. Well, that's going to do it for today's Weird History. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that because I thought it was fascinating. As there was a video I saw on this and immediately I was like, that's got to be the next Weird History because I can't not stop thinking about this. This is absolutely fascinating and certainly weird. Heck, I mean, they created their own little nation. <laughs> they created their own little nation. Like, I love it. I mean, there are only, there, there's, in order to create your own nation, and I have some other weird histories that might get into this because Hemingway's brother actually did something similar to this, but there are only very few requirements that are required. There are only, yeah, that makes sense. There, there are only a very few requirements necessary thank you to create a nation even if it's a micronation a post office currency and stamps and a flag if i remember correctly well they, they didn't have exactly a have a flag technically and they weren't really bartering with anything in terms of needing currency but they did have their own post office and they certainly had their own custom made stamps yes they did uh-huh and then somehow they created their own Olympic medals. There was the gold, silver, and bronze. And to, I believe to this day, some of the families of the men who were on these ships still have those heirloom medals uh, with their families. Wow. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, it came for historic purposes. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, definitely have some links to see actual pictures and news footage of this because it's absolutely fascinating. So. They're always in our sources that I post on Facebook. I always put the weird history with the full episode that comes after. So you'll, you'll see it this, you'll have the sources a week after this episode airs. That's what I'm trying to say. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs>
we're both having trouble with English. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed. See you next Thursday for some more history. All right. With that, we'll sign off and we'll say bye. Bye. Bye.